0: Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us for our sermon special on Easter, Does the Resurrection Matter? Well, good morning. It's a great day to be alive, and I'm so glad that you've chosen to worship with us this Easter weekend. There's a lot of uh, useless Easter facts I was reading through over the last few days, and I thought I would just share some of those with you. I find uh, a lot of things kind of comical. Uh, But here's some useless Easter facts. Approximately 18 million eggs are decorated each year. It's pretty useless, right? When I was growing up, the only eggs we had were decorated eggs. Now, there's probably about a half a billion plastic eggs sold every year. Is that crazy? Eggs, Ishtar, Easter, has nothing to do with Easter, but yet... Culturally, when I was driving up today and I, across 78 at Maxi Price, it was a bunny and eggs, and I'm like, there you go. It has nothing to do with Easter, but, that, but that's our culture, right? Uh, here, here's something interesting. Americans consume 16 million jelly beans during Easter. I personally hate jelly beans. Now, there's a lot of things I like, as you can tell, but jelly beans is not one of them. million is spent on greeting cards. And I begged Barb years ago, we've got to invest in Hallmark, and we didn't do it. So there there you go. 90 million chocolate bunnies are made each year for Easter. 90 million. And 89% of Americans believe that you should eat the ears first. (laughs) Useless information. 81% of parents that were... Interviewed, said they stole candy from their kids. (laughs) Not jelly beans. (laughs) Yeah. Now, here's something interesting. 60% of Americans say they're planning on attending an Easter service. I was like, that's interesting. And in a recent survey, 75% of people who never even go to church say they believe in the resurrection. Now, the fact is, The resurrection is a historical event, and it truly happened. After the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he met with people, he talked with people, he touched people, he fed people, he interacted with people. Hundreds of people saw Jesus after the resurrection. So today we pause to celebrate resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If there be no resurrection, I have no message to share. If there be no resurrection, we have really no purpose for gathering today or any other day in Jesus' name. And if there be no resurrection, we're hopeless people for the rest of our journey. But if there be a resurrection, we have hope, we have a reason to gather, it's a great day. Now, we believe that the resurrection is the hinge on which the door of Christianity swings. If there be no resurrection, the door of Christianity can't swing. It can't open for people like you and I to enter. We believe in the resurrection. Now, I want to unpackage a few thoughts for you this morning. That the resurrection declares that Jesus is who he claimed to be. The resurrection declares that Jesus has all power and authority And the resurrection declares that Jesus did what he promised he was going to do. I want you to think about this as we pause to celebrate the hope of resurrection. One, Jesus is who he claimed to be. In John chapter 11, uh, these two sisters, Mary and Martha, are really uh, downcast. They're really heartbroken because their brother, uh, Lazarus, has died. And Jesus shows up, and they're like, you're too late. You should have gotten here earlier and Jesus looks and he makes this statement to him I am the resurrection and the life. And even though a person dies, they will live again. Jesus makes this crazy statement with a guy who has already been dead for three or four days, and he's like, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus makes a lot of bold statements. Jesus makes a lot of crazy statements, uh, if you will, in that day. He goes, I'm God. I'm Savior. I am the resurrection. You can kill me. I'm going to rise again. He makes all these, like, bold statements. And here's the truth. Jesus was either Lord, Master, Authority, who he said he was, or he was one of the biggest liars and lunatics that ever lived. C.S. Lewis said he's even worse than that if he's not really who he claimed to be. Jesus is who he claimed to be. He's God. He's Savior. He's Savior. Many of us know the story, and many of us have even heard the story. Here's something interesting, Chad that Jesus goes into this temple. And the people there at the temple, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that day, had really abused and misused the temple. The temple was where the presence of God dwelt. It was where the people of God assembled. And they had turned this place into uh, making money and and into gambling and all this corruption. And Jesus goes in and many of us have heard that he went in and started flipping tables and just kind of cleaning house. And they looked at him and they said, what right do you have to do this? And he says, uh, I'm God. They're like, prove it. He said, kill me. Three days later, I'll rise from the dead. Now, we know the story many of us do about him flipping tables. But the real emphasis of the conversation was, you're going to kill me, and I'm going to rise again. The, res- the resurrection of Jesus validates that he is God, that he is deity, that he is trinity. Trinity. Everything we do hinges on the resurrection. John 14, 6, when Jesus makes the statement, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I am the, not a, the, I am strong, the way, the truth, the life, exclusive. There's no other ways to get to the Father except through me. I've had people over the years tell me this. Tim, I believe all roads lead to the same destination. I believe as long as you're sincere in your belief, you can believe whatever you want to believe, and and you'll go to heaven one day. That's insane. That's like you telling me, Tim, just dial any 10 digits and you'll be able to talk to your wife on the phone. You would go, that's stupid. It is insane. It's stupid. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Marxism is not the way. Joseph Smith and the Mormon flavor is not the way. Muhammad is not the way. Buddha is not the way. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you know him today? Who do you, personally, who do you say that Jesus is? Then Jesus makes a lot of other crazy bold statements. But listen to what he says. He claims that he has all power and all authority. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says this, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I have all authority. The word authority there is the word existi, which means dominion, rule, and power. The word exosci means this, that nothing or no one can rival my power or my presence. Man, I was studying that, and I was like, man, that is so comforting For us to know. Jesus says, I have all authority. No one, nothing can rival my power. Now, over the last three weeks, it's been kind of a a challenging time for us. Where's my baby girl, Hannah? Hannah, stand up, baby. I'm so glad to have Hannah and Barb back. Give it up for Hannah. Yes. So glad to have my girls back. They got back home on Thursday night, and praise God, there was one flight a day direct out of Rochester, Minnesota uh, to Atlanta, and so Hannah was hospitalized at the Mayo Clinic, and uh, she was diagnosed uh, a couple weeks ago with cystic fibrosis, and she's been battling some health issues. Barb was there with her uh, around the clock, and uh, I'm telling you, it, it was like, God, you're, you're in control, but here's the deal. What, here's, here's the deal listen to me here's, here's here's the deal when you go through tough times when you go through adversity it's good to know that you don't have to trust your power your rule your dominion your authority it's good to know that even while my girls were there and hannah's got this pick line in and they're pumping all these drugs in her all these breathing treatments and all this stuff is going on in her little system i was able to lay down at night and go I know, I know the one who has all authority. I know the great physician. I know the one who can raise the dead. I know the one who can heal the sick. I know the one that she is trusting right now. And I think for a lot of us, we would be be so wise to just hit the, the pause button right now with whatever you're going through, Jesus makes this radical, bold claim. I have, not I'll get one day, I have all authority. God, I can rest in that. The Roman soldiers, they tried to kill him, and they did. And they placed him in this tomb. And they take this big stone and they put it in front of the tomb. And they take soldiers and they put 24 our guard protection around him. But they were overmatched because they were trying to keep Existai in the grave. Death couldn't kill him. The grave couldn't hold him. And on the third day, he's raised from the dead because our God and the Savior that we worship is Existai. He's got all authority. Do you trust him? with your life. Uh, the question you really do have to ask, and I have to ask is, who's your authority? Who calls the shots? Who do you trust? Because once you conclude that, I, I don't have all this power. I can't handle it. I need something greater than me, Richard. And I release myself and repent and surrender to Christ. I go, I know existi. Here's the third thing. Jesus did what he promised he was going to do. He did what he promised he would do in Mark chapter 10, verse 34. Jesus says, uh, here's what's going to happen. Taylor, they're going to mock me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to scourge me. They're going to kill me. Three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. You're going to do what? They're going to spit on me. They're going to curse me. They're going to mock me. They're going to jeer me. They're going to beat me. But on the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead. When you study the narrative of the last 18, 20 hours of Jesus' earthly life, if you will, on the evening before uh, that crucifixion, late that night, as he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane is known as the olive press. It's where they would squeeze the olives and the oils would come out. As he is led there to Gethsemane, he falls on his face and he begins to pray. He tells the disciples, y'all stay, a watch and, and stay awake and, and pray with me. But he falls on his face and he begins to pray. And he's praying this, Father, if it be your will, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. Father, if there's any other way to accomplish atonement for all people, please. And, and here's the interesting thing, Blake. The Bible says that he was in such agony as he was praying such fervent prayer that he began to sweat drops of blood. He was in agony. He knew what was waiting before him. So Jesus is then arrested by these soldiers led by Judas, who has now sold him out. He is then led the next morning in those early morning hours. He's led to a place called Gabbatha. Gabatha was a place known as stony pavement, and it's there that these Roman soldiers, they tie him to a whipping post, and so his arms are tied around this whipping post, and his legs are tied around this whipping post, and with these soldiers one on this side and another on the other. They take these whips with metal and glass and steel, and they began to just pop him and beat him, 39 lashes, yanking back, and his body is shredded. It's ribboned. He, he's existing, and he's allowing it to happen. Gabatha, a place of brutality, cursing, mocking, spitting. But he told them, this is what's going to happen to me. Then he's led from Gabbatha to a place called the Garrison Room. And there, these soldiers put this crown of thorns, these four to six centious, uh thorns, and they thrust it down onto his brow. And they take these sticks, and they began to beat this crown. You're the king of the Jews. They began to mock him and jeer him and ridicule him and spit on him and curse him. So Jesus is about tapped out. I mean, the body pretty much can't handle anymore. You study the crucifixion. You study the brutality. Then they lead him to a place of Golgotha, and he's weak, and he's tired, and he can hardly carry his own cross, and they take him to this place, Golgotha, and there they drop this cross in the ground, and he's suspended between these two criminals, and while he's there, they thrust the spear through his side, and blood and water comes out. The Scripture says... This is what he says. Listen, listen to this. They will mock me. They will spit on me. They will scourge me. They will kill me. What he went through was so brutal that there was no word in the language of that day to capture the essence of the brutality of this crucifixion. And they came up with a word called "Excrucius," which means "out of the cross." Jesus is the only one qualified ever to say he was experiencing excruciating pain. It literally means "out of the cross." He goes, "They're going to kill me." But on the third day, I'm going to rise again. So it's brutal and painful. And heartfelt the crucifixion was, and I never want to forget what my savior went through to redeem me to purchase my sin. I, I never want to trivialize and minimize that. Never never want to. But when the ladies arrived that morning at the tomb, he's not here. And the angel said, No, he's not here. He has risen. Just as he said, Jesus is who he claimed to be. Jesus has all authority. He's Existai, and he did what he promised he would do. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And as Lisa's saying, He disrupted hell by going in, grabbing the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he lives to make intercession for us. So we serve a risen Savior. We serve a a king who is not in a cemetery. We serve one who has defeated death, hell, and the grave. So, let me personalize it. Let me personalize it. Because of the resurrection, personalize it. My past is now forgiven. Anybody got a jacked up past? Anybody got a narrative and you start to look in the rear view of kind of where you've come from and it's kind of poisonous and it's it's, it's pretty jacked up? Because of the resurrection, my past is forgiven. Here's a letter I received a while back. You're talking about regret and shame and just feeling overwhelmed. Pastor, I'm 31 years old. I'm divorced. I feel terrible. I have no hope for my future. Often I go home and cry, but there's no one there to hold me. It seems that nobody cares. Nothing changes and I continue to fail. I'm stressed out and I'm on the verge of a major collapse. Something's wrong. I'm so hurt that I can't even relate to others anymore. Will I have to sit in the penalty box for the rest of my life? You know anybody like that? Their wife is just absolutely coming unraveled, and the pain and the turmoil. You may go, that's me, but I'm 41, or I'm 52, or I'm... I don't have any hope. I don't know what to do. And and, and my past haunts me so bad. I I have no anticipation of a promising future. I just feel like I'm stuck. Colossians chapter 2, it says, Jesus has canceled out our debt of all the charges all of the charges that were against us, everything that we had done wrong, our sin, our hidden secrets, everything, our shame, our pain. Listen to what he says. Jesus has canceled out all of our debt. That's the, that's the Eastern narrative. Listen to what he says. He took it on himself, destroyed it by nailing it to the cross. When we were praying through this name change years ago, it's like, what, what, what are you going to call yourself? And it's like, well, the greatest message known to humanity is the cross. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. It was at the cross where Jesus took my sin once and and for all. My past, my present, my future, my sin has been dealt with complete. Your sin has been dealt with. It's been canceled out. Barb had been there with Hannah for about a week. Up in Minnesota and I was like Barb I was going through the mail and all these bills and stuff I got them I said well if you paid the house insurance car insurance stuff she goes I haven't paid that one so I I took a a screenshot of it and sent it to her and I said Barb this is one of the bills and now you you get into where we're at with as many cars and house our house and all that stuff insurance can be every six months a little expensive but I was like man we got to get that one paid Because Jesse drives. No, I I was like, we've got to get that one paid. And so, but as soon as I sent that to her and she told me it was paid, you know what? It didn't concern me. I was like, that debt is canceled. That debt is dealt with. And, And some of us would be wise today to receive the forgiveness of Jesus. You're still wallowing in your sin. You're you're still beating yourself up for failures of yesterday or five years ago. And as soon as you realize that as far as the east is from the west so far, has he removed our iniquity from us? Your, Your past can be forgiven when you receive Christ. Jesus said, there's no condemnation in me. I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save it. I didn't come to rub your sin in your face. I came to wash you clean. The resurrection offers us hope and healing and perspective. Oh, my past is forgiven. All of my sin is forgiven. It also declares that my life has purpose now today. I can enjoy today. I can embrace Today, I have people all the time tell me, my life's out of control. I, I, I don't even enjoy life. It's so disrupted. Really? Really? I have nothing to live for. So here, here's, here's the thing. On your heart when you were born, there's four basic laws. All of us have them. But it's the longing for love, L, A, acceptance. The W is to have worth. And for girls, they want to have security. And for guys, we want to have significance. You you can write it down because when you were born into the world, all of us who have kind of made our own path and gotten really whacked out as we've done life, we were really trying to find love and acceptance and worth. And for us dudes, we want to be significant. And girls want to be secure, LAWS, the four laws. And we turn to all these crazy things. But here, here, here again is the truth. You were never intended, when you were placed on this planet, to trust your own power to get you through. You need a power greater than yourself. You need the power that raised Jesus from the dead to reside within you. Jesus said no to temptation. Jesus said yes to the Father. He said, I always do what glorifies my Father. When that power is existing and residing within you, you you can say... I'm not trying. You can say I'm trusting. There's a lot of people that say, man, I'm trying. Quit quit trying and start trusting. When I start to trust that power, listen to what Ephesians 1 says. I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of his power. My prayer, Loganville, My prayer is that you would understand the incredible greatness of his power to be enough. His existai. That you would no longer go back and turn to these less wild lovers or anything else. You say you believe? Yes. Then my prayer is that you would understand the incredible greatness of his power. Listen to what he says. The same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him and the place of honor at God's right hand. The same power that raised Jesus now exists inside of me. And if you call yourself a believer, you've got the exosite of God, the dunamis, we call it, dynamite power of God inside of us. So what does the resurrection declare? It, it, It declares for me That I've got purpose today, and I've got power today to do life in such a way that transcends anything that man or this world has to offer. I've got power. Here's the last one. It declares that my future is hopeful. I've got this promising future. Here's the crazy thing. Let me go grave with you for a second. Every person under my voice, unless Jesus returns... Every person is going to die. Hey, you're going to die. The physical body is going to die. When, we don't know. Is it going to happen? Yes. There, there were some of the guys here yesterday, and they were doing like some cleanup, getting ready for last night and today. And, and one of the couples in our church, this one gentleman, 52 years old, he, he, he stopped by, and Steve Trailer, our uh, administrative pastor, he said, Steve, I need, I need prayer. And he just started weeping. He's, he said, Friday evening, my 18-month-old grandbaby slipped out, and the, the, my, my kids were looking for her. Couldn't find her, and she had slipped and fell into a pool 18 months, and she drowned. And it's like, oh, my God. And, and us with parents, I mean, we freak out with some of that stuff. I mean, it, it just breaks our heart. We don't want to talk about it. Hey, hey, would you like to come over and have some coffee and let's talk about uh, who, who you think is going to win the Super Bowl this year? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. i come over and hang out. That'd be a fun conversation. Hey, hey, you, you want to come over and, and, and sip some coffee and let's just talk about where are, are your kid's going to go to college and how you're kind of combing through? Oh, yeah, that, that would be fun. Hey, hey, would you like to come over and talk about death for an hour? Are you nuts? But but here's the problem. It's a conversation we need to be talking about because it's going to happen. And only a fool would avoid talking about something that's certain. So the the four basic questions, origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. I mean, I go there in a heartbeat. No matter where I'm at globally, the four basic questions. How, How do you answer the question of origin? Where did it all start? Where you at? How do you answer the question of meaning? What is man's purpose for being on the planet? You, you, you've got an answer for that. You can be a pagan. You can be a hedonist. You can be whatever. Uh, how do you answer the question of morality? What's right, wrong? Is there a standard that governs humanity? You, you, you've thought through that. And then the question of destiny. What happens when a person dies? What happens? Well, well if you even buy into... A general concept that there's a heaven and maybe a God. I've had people say this to me. Well, I believe that if the good outweighs the bad, then you go to heaven. Uh Oh, really? Give me a working definition of good. And give me a working definition of bad. So compared to Hitler, you're good. But compared to Mother Teresa, you're burning. You ever heard anybody say that? So what they're saying is, I believe you've got to earn your way in. Man's way is earn it. The legalistic, law-based way was you've got to earn it. You better be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. You you mean I can't lie, I can't steal, I can't cheat, I can't lust, if, if I've even dropped one, like, Bad word in my life. You got to be perfect. Man, I'm speaking to a bunch of imperfect people today, and there's an imperfect redeemed person speaking to you today. Man's way, earn it. I come from a baseball background. It would be like saying, in order to make it to Cooperstown, you've got to hit a thousand and never make an error. Nobody's going to the Hall of Fame. N- nobody. God's way, God's plan, I, I'm going to clothe myself in flesh. I'm going to live 33 years perfect, pure, no sin. I'm going to willfully walk the Via della Rosa. I'm going to become the Lamb of God that's going to die on the cross once and for all, for all sin. My plan is repent and receive me. Well, what do I have to do to work for it? Turn from your sin, realize you're a sinner and you need a Savior and you can't save yourself. That, that, that's it. And allow me to become your authority, your master, your ruler, your Lord. Is that what you did? That's what I did. All other religious systems fall apart. Because it puts something in your court to do. When Jesus died on the cross, Danny, he cried out, it is finished, which means it is finished. It doesn't mean I've done my part. Now you need to go do yours. Everything the Father has required is finished. Receive it. I repent and I receive it. 1 Peter 1, 3, I love this verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who according to his mercy, 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 compassion and kindness extended when we're living in misery, He's caused us to be born again to a living hope with joy and peace and purpose through the resurrection, through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So you gotta ask yourself the question Have I been born again? Not that I pray a prayer and get into a tank of water somewhere in this journey. Stop it. Have you been born again? Are you changed? Does Exodus Does the authority and Holy Spirit live inside of you? That's the game changer. God desires to see you experience his fullness. So here's the close for you today. Would you like to receive his forgiveness? I'm willing to repent. I'm willing to cry out to Christ. I want to receive his forgiveness. Yeah, that, that's me, Tim we 're going to lead you in a prayer here in a bit, and we 're going to have people here during our prayer time and communion that would love to engage with you. Here would be a second thing: Would you like to have a power so great that gives you the strength to say no to temptation, no to the old flesh patterns that have tied you up for years? Yeah, I want that power you 've got to trust it you've got to you 've got to press into it if not you 'll continue as a dog goes back to Proverbs says a dog returns to his vomit, one man returns to his folly. You've got to press into it. The third thing would be, uh, would you like to have a future that's hopeful and flooded with peace and joy? It's like, yeah. You've got to receive it. And I think in the the southern culture, in the Bible Belt, so many people, they acknowledge, oh, yeah, that's that's cool. I, I believe that, meaning I acknowledge it. True biblical belief, the word is pistis in the Greek, it means to be persuaded to action. It means everything inside of me is persuaded to take action. So when I say I believe this, I'm persuaded to action. Thank you so much for watching the message today. We hope that this message inspired you and challenged you as you watched it. encourage you to check out our website. It's thecrossloganville.org. There's a lot of information about our church there. Uh, that maybe can help you answer some questions about who we are. And don't forget that on our website, we have old messages and archived series, so you can spend a lot of time there learning and exploring. If you have any questions, you can contact us via the web, or you could call us at the church at 770-554-3322. Thanks again for watching.